Welcome. We're so glad you guys are here with us this morning. Please stand and worship. I searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough. Oh, there's nothing better than you. 
just saying about we recognize that even though we may belong to Jesus that doesn't always promise us that there's an easy path and I know there may be some of you sitting in here today that well this time of the new year has been a time of great joy and celebration for other you others of you you may be going hardship through hardships or watching those around you go through hardships as well so I just want to invite you as is our our custom here that if you have a prayer need right now, whether it's for you or for someone else, I just wanna invite you in this moment to take a seat. And you may feel some hands on your shoulder or some people come around you and just know that that is our church family saying that we want to be praying with you and we want to be praying for you in this season as well. So I invite you now just to bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we go before God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are grateful to be gathered together as a worshiping community under one name this morning. 
Lord, we are thankful for the ways that you have brought us through 2023, that we are stepping into a new year, Lord, but we know with just as many triumphs and celebrations that a new year may bring, that we know that there are difficulties and hardships as well. Lord, there may be broken relationships, there may be physical ailments, there may be things we're dealing with at home or at work, things that we're dealing with at school, things, Lord, that we may not have said to anybody else, Lord, but you know where we're at. And so whether it's encouragement or restoration or healing that's needed, Lord, we just pray for a tangible sense of your presence over each and every person in this room, Lord. God, would you just make yourself known to everyone here? and allow them just to see your goodness and your love and your mercy working through each and every situation in their lives. And God, we think not only of this worshiping community, but we think of the worshiping communities around us. And so this morning we lift up to you Watermark Church. We thank you for the ministry and the mission that they are carrying out in the city of Grand Haven and beyond. And we just pray that you will uplift and encourage their pastors going into a new year. Lord, you would just fill them with a sense of your Holy Spirit and just allow them and their congregants just to continue to minister the good news of the gospel to everyone who needs to hear it. And as we think of our worshiping community that is global, Lord, we want to lift up specifically this morning Jason and Carenza who are serving in the Czech Republic and over in Europe. We thank you for the following or the calling that you have placed on your life that they are willing to follow. And we just pray right now that we just lift Karenza up to you as she is struggling with an autoimmune disorder, Lord. We just wanna pray that you would place your protection over her, that you will not allow her to get sick, that you will keep them healthy and just allow both her and Jason to continue to do the ministry and the mission that you have called them to do overseas. So God, as we prepare to hear your word this morning, we just pray you continue to speak to the hearts and minds of each and every one of us here, reminding us of your power and your presence in every situation. So God, in all these things, we lift them up to you. And in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray, amen. Well, you may go ahead and have a seat. I want to welcome you to All Shores Wesleyan Church this morning. If we have not had a chance to meet, my name is Aaron. I hope we get a chance to meet so if we haven't yet. For those of you that are joining us for the first time, welcome. I hope that you were warmly welcomed on your way in. For those of you who are regular attenders, welcome back. And we also want to recognize those that are joining us online. Thank you for joining us as well. If you're new here, Maybe you're looking to get further plugged in or you have some connections about who we are as a church and what we have going on. I'll invite you to turn your attention to the screen where we have a QR code that links to our connection card. There's also a QR code on the seat back in front of you and there may be a physical copy of the card. And that is an opportunity, like I said, if you're new and you wanna know about more about who we are, you wanna get connected with one of our staff, if you have a prayer need, feel free to go and fill out that connection card. But if you're a regular attender too and there are things you need to update us on or you have an ongoing prayer request or would like to connect, that card is also for you as well. So I would encourage you at some point today before you leave, fill out that card if needed. We have an exciting event coming up on Saturday, January 20th. We will have a men's pancake breakfast at 9 o'clock a.m. down at our Muskegon campus. So if you're looking to build a 
community with a great group of guys. If you want some encouragement from some amazing members of our congregation here, or just want a place to hang out and get a great meal, we would love for you to join us at the Pancake Breakfast. Details are online, including our Muskegon campus address. And if you're looking to sign up, there are signups available in the lobby, or you can go online to allshores.org events. And if you have any questions, you can talk to Pastor Dave or another one of our staff. And now this is the time of our worship service where we give of our tithes and offerings. And we just want to thank you for your generosity that has just allowed us to go into this new year thankful and grateful for the ways that you've partnered with us as we've continued to bring the mission and vision of all shores to our community, to our campuses, and globally. So if you're a first-time guest here, know that there is no obligation to give. We hope that this service is gift enough for you. But if you're a regular attender and part of the family, we just want to continue to encourage you to engage in the practice of giving. And thank you for the ways that you've trusted us with your finances that have just allowed us to continue to bring the mission and the vision of the gospel here so that we can help one more person find and follow Jesus. So now I want to invite you just to turn your attention to the screens. Um, and we have a few more announcements for you. Hey, All Shores Church family. We are so excited for the upcoming core night that we have happening this month on Monday, January 15th. It'll be held at our Spring Lake campus from 6.30 to 7.30, and we want you there. If you consider All Shores to be your home church, or if you're exploring All Shores as your home church, we invite you to be with us. This is a night to be gathered together as a church family, to be in the know of what we sense God doing in and through our church in this season to be encouraged and built up, and to get to hear our lead pastor's heart for what is happening in our midst. So come and join us, hear from Pastor Pete on that night, and we get to have joy in coming together as a church family on this next core night, Monday, January 15th. See you there. Well, I want to again welcome those of you who are watching us online and those of you here in Spring Lake. It is so good to see you. Uh, so I actually asked if we could take a few minutes in the service today before Pete shares uh, to highlight something pretty significant. I'm not sure how many of you are aware, but this last Thursday, our pastor celebrated 25 years of ministry just here at All Shores Wesleyan Church. Yeah. So I have, uh, first of all, I need to tell you, Pete loves this stuff. So I kind of have a weird, sick enjoyment in this time. But, uh, you know, the, the reality, and I've said this to a few people, that, that people stay in ministry itself for 25 years is, is less and less, uh, let alone being in one church. And so we are so blessed to be able to recognize them. We certainly didn't want to go past this and not remind you about it, but also take a few moments and let a few of you congratulate him. You're going to have opportunity at the end of our service in the lobby to be able to do that. But we've got just a short video that we want to show you from a few of you that are expressing your congratulations to him also. So let's play that. Hey, All Shores. I'm so delighted to be able to join you today in celebrating Pastor Pete Ushanis' anniversary, his 25th anniversary of serving you. Now, a lot of people are really good at helping others come into a relationship with Jesus, or they're good at really trying to develop a depth of a relationship with Jesus. Peter, you do both of those in such a wonderful and honoring way. I love to watch you as you lead. I love to watch you as you serve the congregation of all sorts. I love to watch you as you serve other pastors. 
You are a true hero of mine, friend. I wish I could be with you there today, but thank you for who you are. Thank you for all you do. And again, congratulations on 25 awesome years there at All Shores. We are so proud of you to be here for 25 years. You are a true blessing to the church. Happy anniversary, Pete. Happy anniversary, Pete. Happy anniversary, Pastor Pete. Happy anniversary, Pete. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary, my friend. Hey, congratulations, Pete, on 25 years. Congratulations on 25 years. Congratulations on 25 years. 25 years, so grateful for your friendship and your leadership. Congratulations, hope there's many more. Happy anniversary, Pete. Happy anniversary. Happy 25 years, Pete. This place wouldn't be what it is without you. Congrats on 25 years. Peter, happy anniversary. Happy anniversary, Pete. Hey Pete, happy 25-year uh, anniversary, and here's to another 25 more. Happy 25th anniversary, Pete. Happy anniversary, and it's exciting to see what is yet to come for you. Pete, congratulations for 25 years of ministry. You've been doing this for as long as I've been alive, so keep it up. Congrats, Pete. Congratulations, Pete, on 25 years. We're blessed to have you. 25 years here is a great accomplishment. We're so fortunate to have you here leading us, so thank you. Just want to say congratulations. That's a major accomplishment. Kudos to you. Hey, Pete and Jane. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary, Pete. We love you. Happy anniversary, Pete. Happy anniversary, Pete. When you started, I wasn't even born yet, so I don't know if that makes me really young or you really old. Love you, buddy. Pastor Peter, 25 years at All Shores, amazing. How can one person stay a quarter of a century in one place? I think I know. It's because you draw from a deep place in your relationship with God. I'm struck by how you think biblically, historically, theologically, and then make it relevant to everyday life. Thank you for being so diligent and digging deep in all of those ways. And thank you for 25 years of great ministry at All Shores. I didn't want to cut off your applause there. It's a pretty big deal. We are so excited to celebrate this milestone with you. And we do have some gifts for you. I'll take these down with me. No pressure to open them now. And we want you all to be able to join the celebration too. So after service, please come on out. Um, Pete will be at the back, excuse me, of the lobby. And we would love to have a time there where you can congratulate him personally. And we've got lots of treats in the lobby that we need you to gobble up. So please head on out for that. So I actually, I'm going to have him open one of these up, and this has nothing to do with your 25th anniversary, but I felt like it would be very appropriate for uh, this gift to be presented to him today. So, hey, would you just congratulate Pete one more time? Thank you. Well, thank you, everybody. I, uh, Special thanks to Nate for reminding me that I've been here longer than he's been alive. <laughs> and for Aaron to remind me that it's the same timing as he's been here. I really appreciate those comments. Uh, I do want to just say, you know, I'm very grateful to be, for Jane and I are to be a part of this community for this long. And what a joy it has been. I also kept thinking of the Grinch when 
he saw people in the movie, he sees these ladies from when he was a kid, and they go, he goes, are you two still living? I know there's people that are like, dude, are you, somebody said, may you have another 25? I'm like, you realize that'd be like 84. I don't think we need me, unless you got like assisted living, a few other things for me going, but, so obviously we're not going to do anything more with that today, but thank you, and uh, this is a vision Sunday. Very simply, it means that we want to continue to understand who's God, who has God made us to be, and what does he have us for on mission so I want to simply invite you to pray in the quiet, that God would speak to you, he'd lead you, he'd teach you, that we always say, this is not about information or persuasion, it's really about revelation. So, and, and I can tell you, the longer I do this, I mean, 25 years of this, you, you get really clear on the fact that if God doesn't speak, it just doesn't matter, that there's nothing I can humanly do t- to move us along, but man, I will keep praying that God speaks. So you pray in the quiet, and then let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you that you love each person here more than any of us could fully understand. That each one is cherished by you, loved by you, and given purpose from you. Lord, I simply pray that I wouldn't get in the way in that, but I would help us discover that and walk into it. So Lord, anything I have to say that's not from you, let it fall to the ground, let it be forgotten. But I do pray that anything that's from you, that your spirit would breathe life into us. You would whisper, you would lead, you would transform, you would move. Finally, Lord, may the words I speak and the way we respond in our hearts and actions please you, our rock and our redeemer. And everybody said, amen. Amen. So I'm going to take you back to a man uh, by the first name of Wilfred. And Wilfred was born in France in 1848. His father actually was from Italy and had been exiled in some kind of nobility exiling and married a French woman, and they had this young baby, Wilfred. He would grow up, and at some point in time, they would actually be able to move back to Italy, and they would change his name back to Italian, so he'd be Wilfredo, like Alfredo, Wilfredo. Wilfredo would uh, become somewhat of a teacher and an economist, and in that era, did a significant research where he, he discovered, particularly in Italy, that 20% of the people owned 80% of the land. He began to look at the economics of how their country functioned. And then he played that out in other countries as he studied. And very similarly, the 20%, 80% rule seemed to apply universally. In fact, Wilfred's last name is Pareto. And if you're not familiar with it, there's a principle called the Pareto Principle. It's something we often call the 80-20 rule. It's the idea that oftentimes 20% of something accounts for 80% of the result. In a positive way, oftentimes in work environments, hey, spend your time on those things that are the most important, the 20% more, most, and that will give you a much larger result. But we also have this in other settings. Uh, If somebody works in an industry, it's often been said that your machines, 20% of them will have 80% of the problems. It's this kind of universal principle. And we even talk about this in the church when you get into organizational interactions that oftentimes in a church, 20% of the people give 80% of the resources or 20% of the percent of the people serve in 80% of the roles. It's this human kind of boundary or expectation. And I tell you that because as we share vision, I do not believe this is what Jesus' intention is. Jesus did not intend for a small portion to be involved in the life of what the church is. 
And in fact, what I want to share with you, I want you to understand as we look at our vision and where we believe God's leading us, and though it's not new, I hope it continues to be infused and reinfused and reignited. The reality is the way Jesus designed it, the way God himself orchestrated humanity was that every single one of us would both know him deeply and have purpose in our lives powerfully. So I want you to hear it this way before we get into the vision that it's for every single one of us. And you may even be here today and go, you know what, I am pretty busy. I like hearing about Jesus. Even not, I'm amenable to that. There's things I believe. I got a lot of stuff going on. I want you to understand every single one of us, God is inviting to be close to him and have purpose in him. And I want to say it another way because whenever we get into these things, people often think, well, that's for vocational people or that's for this, those chosen few. Someone can be closer. Do you understand that God in his design and purpose initially made humanity to all be close and then through Jesus to restore closeness to him for everyone, every single one of us? So if you start to listen and you go, well, that is for just let a big old buzzer go off in your head. Okay, you with me so far? Good. All right, we'll get started. So I'm going to take you back to two pictures. One's an Old Testament picture because we want to see God's original working with Israel and what that was. And then we're going to look at how Jesus plays this out and what it might mean for us. And I think what it can mean for all of his church overall. So I'm going to take you back first to the people of God. <coughs> we would say Abraham's descendants. God finds Abram. He's uh, basically a nomadic person, and he says, I want you to go to a land you don't know. You're going to become a people you don't know, and you're going to basically be a blessing to the whole world. Not just, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to then be with you, and you're going to have purpose to help others discover me. That's the simple idea. Now, fast forward, and all of a sudden, Israel is in bondage to Egypt for over 400 years. Doesn't seem like this played out, does it? And so you have to understand, now this is what God's promise is now a people that are really the people of Pharaoh. They are living in slavery in Egypt under Pharaoh. God has brought a bunch of plagues at this time, and we reach the final one in Exodus 12. And I just want you to see a short excerpt because of what it means, not so much we're going to play the whole story out. But in Exodus 12, it says this. This is Moses being told by God, tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb to his family, one for each household. Now, what's about to happen is they're going to each sacrifice a lamb, put the blood on the doorposts, and basically this angel of death is going to pass over, and none of their firstborn will die, but all of, it, all of Egypt's will, and even the animals, firstborn of each. And it is a, both a curse, but also an image of, the, of God's threat of what he's going to do, which is he is going to send his son later to die for us. Now, at this moment in time, they're freed. The waters are parted, they go through, and by the way, that's the first worship song. They sing about what God did, because worship comes out of God's work to bring them out. Now, two things you see. One from this is Israel are told there'll be a new people. That's where it takes us back to this. He calls them a whole community. Now, the word for community in the Hebrew, there are multiple ones, are used, lots of different words are used. This is the first time in all of Scripture this word is used. It's the word edah. Can you say Ida? Let's say it one more time. Ida? You guys are so Hebrew. Way to go. So Ida is, is kind of a unique, complicated Hebrew word. It means it's both a sacred coming together, but it's also what's called a witnessing community. And so what God's inviting them to be is something sacred is going to happen with this group of people 
They're going to discover God's presence, be living in a new way, and then they're going to bear witness to it. Basically, by how they live, others will see and discover. So I wanted to take you out to get a picture of it. Once we're out in the wilderness and they've been taken out, they camp all the way around this temple, the tabernacle that's built. So it's the idea they built their whole lives around him. That's the first part. They're with him. They build around him. From there, they live and love each other differently, and they live and love others differently. That was God's original design and desire for Israel. Let me be at the center of your lives. Build it around me. You will live and love differently. Love God. Love your neighbor. That's a simple idea. That's what God did. Israel, like all of us, messes it up, and now we move ahead to Israel in exile. They're in a mess, and Jesus now walks the earth. Matthew's account gives Jesus going to a very unique place. Jesus is walking on the Sea of Galilee. Not on the sea, but next to it. He does walk on water, but that's another time. He's walking next to the Sea of Galilee. This is in Matthew 4. And a few things about this. One, just in case you try to picture things, you might think of a sea as this huge, like, you could even think of Lake Michigan. I look at the end, I can't see. The Sea of Galilee is eight miles wide, so you actually see the other side. He's on the west side of it walking, just in case you want to have a context for it. But he's walking in a place, if it's Galilee, that is kind of lowly in the life of Israel. He's walking in a place not where you'd find key leaders, great people. You're 20 to do the 80. He's walking in a place where people are just working and living that have no great religious status, is a simple way to say it. And it says as he walks, he sees Peter and Andrew, and he says to them, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of people. And they leave and follow him. That's all we're told. Then he comes on a little farther, and he sees another two guys. It's James and John and their dad, Zebedee. Don't you love that name, Zebedee? It is my dad, Zebedee. Zebedee, I just don't know why I like that name, but I do. So, and then basically, he calls them two, and they leave their dad, and they follow him. Now, that's all it says there. And you might go, what does that picture mean? But there's something powerful in it. And the first thing I might see before we look at the words of it are, he picked people that no one would have picked to be a movement that no one thought could happen to change the world in a way no one thought could. Now, you understand they're not just individuals. They represent every single one of us. You think you're not worthy of this? You think you can't be close? You think you're not wired this way? God picked people that were not of reputation, that were not of influence, that were not even of religious acumen, and that's who he picked. That should inspire you in case it doesn't. It inspires me. Like it reminds me every day, listen, Peter, who's kind of the leader of all this, is the most impulsive. This dude should have been on a lot of meds. That's all I can tell you. Like he had some serious issues. And that's one of the guys he picks. That should encourage us. And that's part of what I want to see here, every single one of us. But I want to take you to this phrase. Come follow me. I'll send you out to fish for people. Now, <clears throat> we hear come follow me and you know, we get the idea that's moving alongside him, and I want you to understand it from a rabbinic and a Jewish understanding. Jesus is a rabbi. He invites them to follow him. That is a rabbinic call to leave behind your own life and enjoin your life to me. And when you follow a rabbi, you don't follow him to learn information. You follow him to know him deeply, love him deeply, and live like him completely. Do you hear the invitation? The invitation is to be with him. In fact, in one of the other accounts, it actually says Jesus goes up on the mountain, he prays, and when he follows to pick them, he says he first called them so they could be with him. So I want to just say this to you before we go on. Did you know that Jesus invites every single one of us to follow him? 
And, and I don't mean follow a bunch of principles, though that can play along in it. I mean he's inviting you to know him deeply and to discover his love for you deeply and to know how cherished you are as a son or a daughter and the destiny he has for you. That is crazy cool. I, I'm always amazed, and I don't care if people are highly successful, highly struggling, or everywhere, anywhere in between. Most of us struggle with believing we could be lovable and desired or that God could love us even in the midst of our messes and failures. And that's where Jesus begins by saying what he does. I love the picture that's often given. It's called walking in the rabbi's dust. It means you're so close behind him that the very dust from his sandals kicks up on you. It just means you're walking in deep connection. And I know there are some of you here that are going to go, listen, I, I don't like people. I don't like relationships. I get stuff done. I go, that is great. I'm glad you get, we need you to get stuff done. But guess what? The God of the universe loves you more than what you get done. And if you think somehow you're not wired to be known and be loved, I just don't know what to tell you other than you're wrong. I don't know what it'll look like, but I know you're wrong. And when he says fish for people, it's not like, we tend to think of this like it's a transaction, like I'm going to throw my lure out and I'm going to bring them in. I'm going to get them a little more. And we almost treat it like it's a marketing thing. How do we get them in? And first of all, you do know they didn't fish with hooks, in case you did wonder. It's nets back then. But the image isn't about transaction. The image is about relationship. I'm going to invite you not to do fishing as a vocation, but to actually engage and love people, to live and learn and discover. And what, I, what always gets me when we talk about this stuff is people tend to think about it vocationally. Well, yeah, God calls pastors. I mean, look at you. You've been here 25 years, and you do not look good for the wear. That is not the life I want. And I go, I do not blame you. Don't laugh too hard, okay? It was meant to be a joke. Jeez. <laughs> no. And we, we do this. And, and certainly God does have calls of ordination. He has people he calls on, the, on fields. But God calls every one of us to be sent out. This is the crazy part. It, it's not that you're discovering something new of what you do vocationally oftentimes. It's that you live into the mission of who he has made you to be in your vocation. You're a student or a teacher? Yep, you're, you're a student or a teacher sent out. You're in the medical profession, yep, you are helping the health and lives of people, and you're sent out. You're working in the marketplace, you're helping to get mortgages, you are sent out in that environment. You are working in a business, you are sent out, whether you're the leader or a worker or a mid-manager, whether you're retired or whether you're ill, God is taking you to go places no one else will go, to reach people no one else can reach, through the unique way he's crafted who you are. I remember when we first started talking about this a few years ago, and, and one of the things we said is we need to live this before we lead it. In other words, as pastors, but also as lay leaders that we have in the church from our board to other leaders, if we can't live this, if we don't buy it, we can't share it. And I remember particularly having several leaders that are like, I'm not wired to talk like you are to people. And I go, thank God, because we don't need more of my mouth going on. But I found people that would be like, but you know what? They, they do things like their neighbor's kids have bikes that aren't working and they're really fix-it kind of people and they start helping or there's projects in the area and they start working on those or they bring the skills and craft of who they are and what they do in their legal skill or in their leadership skills and what happens are or in their nurturing. I mean, we can go on and on and on. You bring who you are and God made you to reach out to people that no one else will in ways no one else can to fish for people. Really to love your neighbor. That's simply what it is. We love God. We love our neighbor. 
Now, when I share this about our vision, about our mission, <clears throat> we try to do it in a way that, that is really helpful for people. So this is how we've said it. Our vision is this. Others will say of us, these people have been with Jesus. Now, I want to be clear. We're not saying other people will think we've been with Jesus. Have you ever done that where you try to portray something? Yeah, I pray a lot, you know, Jesus said. Uh, now, what we mean is because we've been with Jesus, there's something different in us, and people see it. By the way, you cannot manufacture that, but if it's truly happening, something is different. So what we said is our vision is that every single one of us can grow in our connection to Jesus that will influence how we live and love others, and others will notice it. It's very simple what it means, but it only happens when we're truly discovering. And then we say this out of it. This is kind of the being with him side or the abiding side, as we call it, or loving God. And we say it's rooted in an abiding lifestyle. In other words, it's rooted that we learn to be with him alone and together and that leads us to compassionately bring the kingdom of Jesus to those around us naturally and supernaturally by the power of the Spirit. I want to just say a few things about this. When I say compassionately bring the kingdom, the reason we put that word in is oftentimes people think I'm Jesus. Is, have you ever heard? I, think, I call it throat punch Jesus. We're just truth tellers. Bam. Can you breathe anymore? We, kicked in the, we just kicked you in the face. I'm like, that is not. Jesus is full of compassion. If you walk through the Gospels, you'll be amazed at how many times it says Jesus had compassion on them. And usually it's after he's just been with the Father, but he sees what's really going on underneath, and he compassionately brings his kingdom. And I say that because if we don't have the heart of love for people, we don't bring it to people. And, and, and that also means if we have the heart of love for people, we also don't hide it from people. So I don't want to sound like it's just this soft. It, it is something beautiful. And when we say naturally and supernaturally, we mean you and I cannot bring transformation, but the Spirit can help us in what we do naturally and what the Spirit does supernaturally. Just a picture. We want you to get a picture. This is what we believe God wants for our church, what we believe he's doing. And I can tell you this, 25 years here, I've never believed this more than I do now. And I've never believed the world needs it more than I do now. And I've never believed more that people have not really understood this. And so we do church in a way that doesn't reflect who he really is or honor the fact that he actually wants to begin with who we are, loving us where we are, and then helping us love others in our lives. That's the simple picture. We even try to use different things to help us understand it. So sometimes we'll use this picture. It's a tree. And we say, at the roots of a tree is building what grows us and is really underneath. So we use this idea of abiding, which means being with him a lot, being with Jesus. We say, listen, our lives are rooted in relationship, that you and I can know God and know him deeply. And I do want to say this before we get into some practical things. I realize for many of you that can be a barrier. That can be a barrier whether you perceive God negatively, whether you think, well, the only way to do it is this very specific church way. But I'm telling you that's part of our journey is how do we discover together those barriers and how do we help each other really learn and discover who he is. Because if there's nothing more, I, I, like I look at, I just look around the room and I go, I, I'm not trying to look at anybody's story or think anything particular, but I go, I know when I look at people, I can see all sorts of things and go, man, God knows exactly who you are, knows exactly the things you struggle with, knows exactly the things that are hard for you and wants to be present and loving in them and transformational in them if you will ask him to help and learn to discover him. 
Like, I think it's such a sad lie that people think only a few people can hear. And then the people they know that hear from God, like, if that's what hearing from God's like, I don't think I want it. I know that's not a reflection of Jesus. That's a reflection of religiosity. I don't want us to miss this. It's where the foundation is. And then we say, out of this foundation, that's how we're deployed. And we'll talk about Blessing Francis in just a minute. But the idea is that, I, I don't know how many of you are with us Christmas Eve, but so during Christmas Eve, one of the things I had us do is I had one person light a candle, and then I had a whole section do it, and then I had the whole room do it. And there was something for me just watching, what's it like when the whole room is full of, of light like that? And I thought, that's the picture of the church. We're lit up and we're sent out. I just love God's strategy. When people say to me, why didn't Jesus just show himself to everybody? They go, what a great thing. Jesus goes to be with the Father and then says, I'm going to give you the Spirit, and I'm going to fill all of you with my presence, and you're going to be the ones that bring who I am to the world in need. So when people tell you how bad the church is and how bad things are, go, man, that is on us. We have got to live and love differently. And we can't do it on our own, can we? It's a great picture being this way. So I'm going to give you a couple of practical things. We've gone over parts of this before, but I, I want to give you very particular applications. So you, won't, you don't have these in the room now. You'll get them on the way out. But we have these cards that kind of has abiding on one side and deployed on the other. That's the idea. So I want to walk through a few things of the card because we want you to have one of these. And it's a way to go, what are kind of some of those basic things? How do I know how I'm doing? What do I do to engage in this? It just give us some guidance and some help, we hope. And so this first one as it relates to abiding, we call it being with Jesus. And it helps me to understand how I think about this. So you'll see at the top, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And that's Mark. So our big thing is this is kind of how do we learn to love God? It's a very simple way to think about it. I'm trying to build connection and love with who the Lord is. And we have what we say are cultivating love for the Lord. We have four core practices that we try to encourage. These are not exhaustive. It doesn't mean there can't be other things. We're saying we think these four really help. So we have, and I'll, I'm not going to go through them all, but you can read them later. We have about scripture reading, the idea of interceding, uh, which really, in case you don't know, is Jesus' eternal vocation. That's what he's doing for us all the time. So when we intercede, we get his heart. We look at the idea of worship and that when we worship, we're responding in communication with God, with who he is, and something profound happens. And we added silence in. It's an ancient practice, but we've realized in the world that's so busy and crowded, this is a very important part of it. So all I want to do with this as we look at abiding today, and then I'll, I'll give you a few more things. Oh, shoot. I'll give you a few more things on this too, um, just to, to consider, is we're, we're about to start 21 days of prayer next Sunday. And our whole thing over those three weeks is going to be basically learning to be with Jesus and hear his voice. And so we're just going to focus on this aspect of discovering him. I just put 21 days, and I'll, I'll give you more at the end, but the idea is if you just begin to learn to hear him in Scripture, we think that's a foundational piece. And I, I know for some of you, reading those things are difficult. There are audio versions of the Bible. There are different ways we discover and hear him. But the, the Scripture is a place that the Spirit speaks through who God is, and it's how we learn to hear his voice. So to just set that aside, we go, we're missing a core way to discover him. I will tell you this, though. Many people read Scripture as, a, as kind of a guidebook. Okay, I'll read scripture. I'll remind it how I'm not doing well enough and God will tell me I need to do better. And you missed the whole point. See, God speaks to us through scripture so we hear of his love for us, his relationship with us. And even when there are things he's inviting us to engage in, I don't know about you, but I need his help to actually change the things that don't work in my life. I call it active dependence. Like I need to say help 
and then I need to be active in that. But actually learning to hear of his love for you, actually being honest about what happens when you read scripture, both in your thoughts and your emotions, those are profound. And we're going to spend the next three weeks looking through some pretty cool passages that we think will be helpful. Now, I also want to point out this to you, which we call the abiding temperatures, how we measure uh, our connection to his radical love. And I realize we use a continuum, and I want to explain it this way, just so when you use it, it can be helpful. We're not saying you always got to move to the right. It's always, you're, you're going to be a 10. You better be a 10 all the time. It's just recognizing where am I right now. But there's times we can be an 8, times we can be a 4, times we can be a 6, and times where we're moving in a direction we don't want to be. And what lets you know is how am I doing in this moment and which direction am I going in? And given that, what might God want to do or what do I need? And make no mistake, there's times where every Christian goes through this drive time. And we miss the fact that Christians go through dark nights. And if we're not with each other in it, this doesn't work. All it is is a measure to help you go, where am I? So we have things like at the beginning, it's, you know, the whole idea of abiding, it's dull. I'm not even sure how. I don't really have any time. We can start to move where it becomes dutiful. It's a practice. We're trying to make time. We want to move to a place where it's more discovering and we're connecting and it's regular. And then we want to move to a place where it becomes more desiring and relational and cultivating and I love where we get at the end. We're talking about it's, we are more dependent and more close to him. Those are the pictures we want. And the question is just how are we doing? And we get these cards, not just, we've been doing this as leaders. How do we begin to talk to each other about how we're honestly doing? Because one of the biggest failures in the church is we think we're supposed to portray how we're doing, and we always portray a false self. We elevate it. Or this is one of my favorite ones people say, I could be doing better. <laughs> That doesn't help anybody. That's just a way to say, I, I, I'm not feeling great about it. Tell us how you're really doing. Right. And all we want to do is help you, and we can't do it without honesty. So that's this side of it. Now, I, I didn't want to miss that part for you, but that is where we would basically start on this side. Let me take you to the deployed side, uh, which is the other part of this tool we're going to give you. And so this, we would say, is just learning to love your neighbors. Like, I want to love my neighbors. And, and we want to be clear. You could say that's just my neighbors. We say it up here. We want to know who is my neighbor. And so anybody who's been around know we had Frank before and we made it Francis. You're like, man, you keep adding to the name. What's the problem? And I'll tell you the reason we added, and this is along with the group that we kind of discovered and developed this from, is we, they believed and we agree there were two groups missing. So I want to first explain the Frank. So F is your friends. Then there's your relatives your acquaintances. It's funny that friends and relatives aren't the same. Like, yeah, my relatives are definitely not my friends. Kidding. Acquaintances, neighbors, and coworkers. And it was actually a young student here that said to us, why don't we make it France? We've got enemies we should be loving. It was like, that is so true, but we already called it Frank. So I'm telling you, they added it. I think it's beautiful. And then the last one, S, is stranger. And that's because we tend to only look at neighbors as people that are like us, and the scriptures are really clear that the job of a Christ follower is to love the stranger, the alien, the foreigner, the person that's unknown, unseen, and different. So we go, this is a great, we think this encapsulates who your neighbors are. Now, I want to be clear, too. We're just asking you to begin to ask who these people are. Some of you may struggle to even get a name. We are not looking to go, why is your list not three wide on every part? We're just seeing who's God put in your life. And who maybe don't you see that you could start to see? So who's my neighbor? That's helped you define it and helped you continue to know. And then what we get to is how do I love my neighbor, which we call the blessed practices. 
I know for many of you it's familiar, for some of you it's new. I just want to say them briefly. We say we begin with prayer, and we're going to come back to that. We then to listen with care, and it's the idea that we listen to know and to build compassion and understanding for their circumstance. We eat together, which for me is my favorite part. Uh, but it means that we're in close enough relationship. Something happens over the table. And there, there's all sorts of biblical underpinning to it. I'm not going to try to explain it today. And I love this one, serving with love. And I find for people that are not verbal that do love to serve, this is really important. But for those of you who love to talk, we could use more of it. Something happens when you help other people. And even when you ask them to help you. And that leads us to the last one, which is sharing our story and God's story. And this part, I just don't want to miss. Here's what happens. Oftentimes we're scared to share. We're scared to... I can't even speak. It's not like my job is words. I think we're scared to share because we're afraid we don't know how to say the gospel, which is still a skill and we want to know. But it's also... If God's moving in your life, you share the gospel out of that gospel in your life. So when someone's telling you about the struggle in their relationships and you go, man, I've seen how Jesus helps me that I can't love people naturally, but he's helping that to change, you can share something from your own struggle. Or man, I was going through a really dark time and somehow God met me in that. That's also sharing the gospel. It's a part of how we share what Jesus is in our life in simple ways and then the big ways of our freedom and redemption. All I'm asking you in this season is to start right here. Begin with prayer. If you've not done this before, uh, and we'll come back to it again, but when you begin to pray, something changes in you and in them. So we'll come back in application, but I wanted to make sure you got this. And then here's the missional temperature side, which we say is measuring our, how lived out our radical love is for others. So we, we tried to keep working on, we've said this before, but we changed some things to help you better. The same thing on the continuum, you know, we start typically relations are transactional. And what that means is you're an it to me. What do I get from you and what do I need? We often don't think about people in terms of how we give dignity and life to them. Then it starts to move to where we begin to pray and that can even increase. We start listening and our desire to be together is growing and we actually want to grow. We start to have love for them. We can even see potentially the group grows and we sense God leading. And I love where we get to is we start to long for their salvation and the sense of God moving in them. And I want to say it this way. We are much more concerned about your faithfulness and love for people than we are you better close the deal. And I don't mean it doesn't matter. It does. But if all we are is you, sh- you try it once and you move on, you have not been loving. It, it's, I will tell this just personally. I've been a good soldier in the church most of my life. When the church said you reach out and you invite and you do this and you witness, I do it. I've done it. I've done it but it's often felt like an obligation. And when we begin to turn to this idea of living out of love with Jesus and beginning to love others, I now have deep affection for the people that I would call my Francis list because they literally are my friends and my relatives and people I'm just getting to know. I, I, have found, I'm, I, I traveled last week. I, I got to go to the Rose Bowl, which I was unbelievable, by the way, best day ever. My son happens to live in Pasadena, and he, he won, they had a lottery for residents. So he won, you pay the face value, but he won an affordable ticket is all I can say. So we went. But I found in every place I went, I'm starting to meet people. And then I'm asking a bunch of questions. I'm thinking, I am the most annoying idiot that people meet on airplanes and everywhere else. Because I love to find out stories of people, sometimes to a fault. But that has not always been true. 
I used to like to talk to people to see what I could tell from it. And something changes when we actually start to love these people. And you go, man, I, I don't even necessarily know them, but I can see the compassion of Jesus wanting to give them something they don't have. You know, this is different when you actually live this way and want it. And that's true both of coworkers and neighbors. And I, I love that we've included enemies in this because I know for people I'm broken with, I really, when I pray for them, something shifts. And I wonder how God wants me to minister differently when I'm not treated well. Because it's not my tendency, and I bet it's not yours either, because I know you, and you're like me. I don't mean that badly. I just know we're people. I want to say it this way to all of us. Every single one of us, every single one of us, I want to invite to move towards Jesus. And I want to tell you he's moving towards you. And I want to say, every single one of us, I want you to move towards your neighbors. And, and a lot of times for me, I found the greatest things are my honest confession about my lack of desire. God, I, I know I should want to be with you today, but I don't even really desire it much. Could you somehow surprise me? Could you give me desire? God, I want to love my neighbor, but his dog just crapped in my yard the fourth time, and I really don't. <laughs> Sorry, it's just honest prayers you have, you know. <laughs> I ruined my bushes. What's going on? I mean, it's funny the things that keep us, but we pretend like we're supposed to just gut it out instead of go, something's going on inside of me. Would you help me in that? I, I am convinced. And this is a great thing. I don't know, you know, 25 years, please don't pray that for me, but more. I mean, but, you know, whatever God has, I'd like to be here a while. And I'm telling you, as long as I am, I will keep praying that you will actually believe God wants to be close to you, and you will discover, every one of you, how much he loves you, and you will begin to ache and long and love the people around you in ways no one else can explain. Because I'm telling you, that is purpose. I love that you have great lives and great things with your families and great things with your jobs, but guess what? There's something better. And the better is him, and the better is the purpose he gave you to be someone that no one else can be, to people no one else can in ways no one else can. That is an amazing mission. And I will tell you, I already see lots of it. I get to hear it from people in the community. When I tell them where I serve, a lot of times I hear, oh, I know so-and-so. Man, I love those. Like, I hear a lot of authenticity from people, and I love that. I just pray more, Lord. So let me pray for us with that in mind today. Lord, I ask that... uh, as I did at the beginning, what's not of you, let it fall to the ground. But whatever it is, would you minister? Would you awaken? Would you encourage? I pray you'd break lies that say, oh, not for me. Oh, you couldn't be. Oh, I don't want to be. And would you overcome that with your love? Would you begin to help us, Lord, see others the way you do and love others the way you do? God, I give to you now this 21 days coming up next week. I pray it would be a very unique season for us of discovering your voice, of growing together, and of just pursuing you. And Lord, out of it, would you help us to love others differently? I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. I want to invite you to stand. We're going to worship and we're going to celebrate communion as an outplay. We continue to ask that God would speak to you. We're going to sing words words that are powerful and intimate towards Jesus. And in you go, maybe you'll have that kind of passion, maybe you won't. We're not asking you to fake it, but maybe you ask God to give it to you, or maybe you just confess why it's not. But let him minister even as we worship together.
you to be seated for just a few minutes. We, uh, we celebrate communion every week. And if you're a guest, we want you not to feel obligated, but to feel invited. We don't have a stipulation. We don't want you to engage in a ritual if you don't believe it, but we invite you as much as you want to discover or follow Jesus. Uh, the cups that you have that you should have gotten when you came in will have bread at the top layer, and then next will be the cup. Before we, we participate in it, though, I want to take you back to the Exodus because God's freeing Israel and moving them from the people of Pharaoh the people of God was his action he's the one who brought the freedom he's the one who parted the sea he's the one who brought new life out of it when Jesus came he brought fulfillment to that through his death and resurrection in other words it's something we receive not something we do and that's the foundation of abiding See, we discover God's love because he comes to us, not because we come to him. And so when we celebrate it, we're reminded of the height and breadth and depth and width of his love. So any lies you believe of being unlovable, any sense of what you have to do, communion reminds us he has done it in the flesh. 
On the night he was betrayed, he took bread, he broke it, he gave thanks. He said, this is my body and it is given for you. And he goes on to say, actually says a little earlier, greater, basically, greater love has no one than to lay down their life for their friends. He's showing us the greatest love there is through sacrifice. Let's receive that. And then through the cup, he tells us his sacrifice is something more. He says, it's a new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. Because the scripture teaches without bloodshed, there is no forgiveness. And he becomes a one for all forgiveness. Speared and blood coming out. Dying the way he died as a lamb sacrificially for us is a statement of his love, his forgiveness, but also of his new life and purpose. It's what leads him to meet up with Peter at the shore of his failure and say, I love you, you're restored, and go be my presence to others. We receive and we give. Let's take of the cup. Lord, as we always do, I ask the sacrament would be imparting grace. It wouldn't simply be a memorial, but you would give grace to us where we need you today deepen our connection, our communion, our relationship with you. That would inform and inform how we read, how we engage, how we love and live. And Lord, even as we sing these really surrendering and lovely sacrificial words, where we don't buy them, God, would you help us to be inspired to want more of that? And where we do, would they really be an offering to you? Let's stand together and worship.
the privilege of closing the service this morning just so we can let Pete get out to the lobby and you get a moment to just congratulate him as you leave today. I do want to let you know that Jane is joining him. And if you know anything about Pete, you'll also know this. He didn't get through 25 years on his own. So we want to make sure and honor her also this morning. Yeah, clap for Jane too. And man, we're so blessed to have such a great couple leading us. So uh, just privileged to have Jane here in the lobby. And again, Pete, will meet you back there. And we have homemade cookies. Now, these are legitimate. I just want you to know I've tried them. You will definitely want to grab one. They are not store-bought. We No, no uh, expense was spared this morning for you. Just want to remind you also next week, 21 days of prayer starts. So we'd love to invite you back next Sunday morning. And let me just pray. If you would just pull, put your hands out, I'd love to just pray a prayer blessing over you. God, we're so privileged to be in your presence today. Thank you for how you've moved. We want to continue to see you move. And even as we prayed and sung, God, we just bless you today. Lord, I pray for my friends as they go from this place this morning. May they go excited, anointed, and commissioned to reach people for the gospel. We pray this in the name of Jesus and all of God's people said, amen. Have a great Sunday. Thanks for being here.